0: It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. one of those
3: idiots who believe in
0: analytics.
2: Our number two of a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa Fubo, Sling Game, Plus, iHeart Radio, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How you doing? It's Gil Alexander. Uh, once again, Pete Futak coming up. Talk some ACC football later this hour. We'll talk about the Dodgers' extra inning woes. The most incredible stat in baseball this year. We'll do that. Uh, Ian Rappaport tweeting from the rap sheet, uh, Saints, kicker, uh, Saints Pro Bowl kicker Will Lutz, who left Saturday's practice early, will visit Dr. William Myers in the coming days and be evaluated for a potential core muscle surgery. Sources say that knocks position players out eight weeks, but as a kicker, it could be longer. Ooh, that is not good. Will Lutz, stalwart for the New Orleans Saints, could be out for, uh, I don't know, according to this, maybe half a season of football. Maybe longer. Not good for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Real quick, getting back to our strength of schedule, remaining strength of schedule discussion uh, in baseball, just to recap, in the American League, the two teams that you really need to know about. Oakland with the toughest remaining strength of schedule in the American League, only two games behind the Astros in the AL West, and everybody's like, oh, my God, they're only two games back. This could be something. Yeah, well, they got the toughest strength of schedule of all the remaining contenders in the American League, 518 Uh, uh, winning percentage uh, average for their uh, opponents. They got San Francisco three times, the White Sox uh, seven times, four on the road, three at home, and then also six versus Houston. So a grand total of 16 of the remaining 50 games against the Giants, White Sox, and Astros, that's brutal. And the team they're chasing, keep in mind the Astros also trying to fend off the Yankees and other teams behind them for the wild card race, The Astros have the easiest schedule, again, of the remaining teams uh, contending for playoff positions in the American League. So two games, only two games ahead of the athletics in the American League West. The Astros' remaining strength of schedule, opponents uh, winning percentage 480, and they get to play Arizona three times, Texas seven times. And the Royals seven times. So 17 of the remaining 50 games against the D-backs, the Rangers, and the Kansas City Royals. Now, National League, we mentioned San Diego and the Mets. San Diego and the Mets, who have, in the case of the Mets, fallen on a really hard time. San Diego just not being able to keep pace with the Giants, specifically, and the Dodgers as well. And the Reds breathing down their necks just two games behind them in the loss column. So San Diego and the Mets, we talked about, they've got the toughest remaining schedules of contenders in the national league, San Diego, if they're 49 remaining games, seven against, excuse me, 10 against the giants, pardon me, nine against the Dodgers and three against the Astros, 22 of the remaining 49 against the giants, Dodgers and Astros and then the Mets, Seven against the Dodgers, three against the Yankees, three against the Phillies, three against Milwaukee. So they've got a tough two, but the easiest. We'll skip past the Giants, the Brewers, the Dodgers, and the Braves just for uh, time's sake. The easiest two remaining strength of schedules of the contending teams in the National League, the Reds. Their, Their opponent's strength of schedule is just 470. They got 50 games left. They got nine against Pittsburgh and seven against Miami. So 16 remaining against the Pirates and the Marlins of their remaining 50. And then the easiest of them all, the Philadelphia Phillies, who have just rolled past the Mets and now lead the Braves by two and the Mets by two and a half in the end at least. Their opponent's strength of schedule the rest of the way for the Philadelphia Phillies, 458. 458, I'm trying to think, like, what's the equivalent win percentage? That's like playing the Rockies, I think, are the closest comp. That's like playing a team of the Rockies caliber the rest of the way. The, the Philadelphia Phillies get to play the Diamondbacks seven more times the rest of the season, the Marlins six more times, and the Orioles three more times. So 16 of their remaining 50 games against the Diamondbacks, Marlins, and Orioles. You need to know those things before placing any bets right now, uh, futures bets that is here, the rest of the way. Know that the uh, the Athletics have it tough, the Astros have it easy, and of course in the NL, the Padres and the Mets have it tough, but the Reds and the Phillies have it very easy. I uh, wanted to get into that. By the way, uh, one last thing before we get to Jason, uh, Jason Weingarten, that is. This is from uh, John Ewing. No, this is from Ben MGM. Pardon me. Ben MGM itself. <clears throat> Pardon me. Line movement, some World Series insights based on the numbers. Houston opened 22 to 1. To win the World Series before the season, now they're plus 475. Boston opened 50 to 1, now they're 14 to 1. And the Giants, 80 to 1 to 9 to 1. That's the biggest line movement for World Series teams. By the way, it's Gil Alexander. It's a numbers game at Visan, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visan app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio. Radio. So again, Houston from 22 to 1 to plus 475 now. Boston opening at 50 to 1 to 14 to 1 now. And the Giants, 80 to 1 to now 9-1. to Highest ticket percentage? Still the Dodgers. 13.2% followed by the Padres and the White Sox. You know how much the uh, baseball betting public love the Padres and the White Sox. Highest handle? Total, uh, num- total amount of money in the pool? Dodgers. 19% of the total futures handle on the Dodgers. Yankees at 10.7% next. Padres 9.2%. The biggest liabilities at BetMGM. Proud sponsors of this program. Number one? San Francisco Giants. Doesn't surprise me with those 80 to 1s we just mentioned. Number two, I'd give you 20 guesses you wouldn't come up with. Number two, the Detroit Tigers. And number three, the New York Yankees. That courtesy of BetMGM. Skill Alexander, let's bring him in from under a cloud of smoke in Southern California. You can follow him at Spreadopedia. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jason Weingarten. How you doing, Jason?
3: Pretty good. Can't can't complain too much this morning.
2: Well, yeah, you can't. But then uh, there are some things I think you're justified in complaining about. And let's, without further ado, segue into this. Do we have Jason's uh, tweets, Mr. Khan? We do. Two Jasons here, so we're doing some uh, Jason juggling. This is uh, this is Jason. This this weekend, Jason, when you wrote this?
3: Yeah, yesterday.
2: Okay, yesterday. Tried to make my first futures bet of the NFL season, and Will Hill rejected it and moved the line. Uh here's the uh here's the second tweet. Do we have a reaction to that one? This is Yeah. This is uh this is a reaction to that from Jeffrey Benson over at Circa. He said offering yes nos at a reasonable split is the only fair way to book a future market and protect the player. By doing so, an operator can't just artificially lower a player they have lots of risk on. Using the player to manage your future book for you and then rejecting bets is awful. I would also suggest it's in, it's 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 the player is now doing your odds making for you. And here's a uh, here's Jason's follow up. Will Hill rejected five hundred bucks on Otani too. That was the last time I tried to make a bet with them. Wouldn't let me bet it even at thirty to one. Jason, I, I listen. We we only call the folks out when it's justified. I thought we were past this because this has happened to me. It's happened to lots of betters through the years. But I thought with legalization we'd be past this. Apparently we're not, huh?
3: Yeah, I can't say I'm I'm completely surprised or anything. It's just disappointing. It's disappointing to see, you know, a multi-dollar book run their business this way. Um, it wasn't even, like, something I thought was particularly sharp. I, I thought I had a guy I liked for Defensive Rookie of the Year. You know, I read a couple beat writers who said, they're you know, what players were having good camps and stuff. And I thought I would, you know, make a bet on, on a guy who was a late first-round draft pick. And instead, they wouldn't even let me bet 500 bucks on it. And remember, this is a bet that they get to hold until the night before the Super Bowl. So they're basically holding my money for five, six months, and they don't even want my action. And I, I'm, not, I'm not that sharp that they should be scared of me like that either. You know, I mean, I, I like to think I am, but I, I don't think that's the truth.
2: Well, I think that is the that is the interesting part about it. It's not that it's probably not that sharp of a bet. By the way, I want to say probably not that sharp of a bet. I want to say William Hill does a lot of stuff really well that they don't get credit for. Uh, they, you know, like yesterday, for instance, golf, the WGC, the St. Jude FedEx, they're taking live golf bets. I don't know that there was anybody in town that was, I could be wrong about that, but they were certainly in the minority. So good on them for doing it. They also have a really, they they also have a pretty robust menu of stuff. Uh, and if you're able to play the game and still, you know, not raise a red flag and are still able to bet there, which I think some of us are pretty good at doing, uh, they will take a big bet too. So, I don't want to say that they don't do certain stuff well. They do. But in this case, I mean, when this happens to you, it's infuriating, isn't it? Because you're really like, oh, you know, because sports betting is hard enough as it is. Like, it's tough to win, it's hard enough. And so, when you, when you, you know get there and make a bet at the state line there has to be some kind of tacit tacit agreement that this is kosher you can't let the player do your odds making for you i think that's at the crux of this
3: well you can let the player do your odds making for you it's just that next time it happens I'm gonna send them an invoice for my time
2: <laughs> He's gonna, you're gonna you're gonna send that out. Oh, let's see how far that goes. That's pretty good. um well, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but it's just like every every time we you know, I just want to bring that up because that shouldn't happen and they know it shouldn't happen and enough with this, right enough with this like, it, let's just stop with that stuff. We have to have some kind of tacit agreement that the posted odds are going to be accepted. You don't get to again, then get the bet and say to yourself, look around the landscape, right, and say, oh, it seems like this is only 30 to 1 wherever whatever it was. Let's say you had 60 to 1. It's only 30 to 1 everywhere else. Let's adjust that before we accept this bet. You know, that's not cool. Not cool. Anyway, just wanted to say that you're with me. I know you are. Okay. Uh, Jason, let's, let's talk about baseball. Uh, I went through remaining strength of schedules. How big of a factor does that play into any futures bets you might make right now on teams?
3: Well, definitely, definitely plays a factor. I tend to look at that stuff earlier. I started, I started looking at that stuff before the all-star break, just to kind of get a gauge of, of where teams were going. Um, unfortunately, you know, I was really dead on about the Mets coming out coming out uh not so strong out of the break but I was totally wrong on which team would catch them I I thought the Nationals would you know kind of make a run for it and they've done the opposite of that so I'm yes I'm I'm kind of I was half right but half wrong and unfortunately you don't get half credit in, in gambling so I'm not holding tickets on the Phillies or the Braves or anything exciting. I'm just just kind of watching the Mets implode, and thinking about how I could bet against them. Basically every game.
2: Did any of that? So, so again, the the A's toughest, Astros easiest remaining in the AL, two games separating the and obviously the uh, the uh, the A's trying to fend off the Yankees and everybody else for that number two wild card position in the National League. Padres with the toughest. And the Reds with the second easiest, by the way, the Phillies with the easiest, the Mets with the second uh, most difficult. Do those remaining strength of schedules, given the the way the teams have played, given the way that they're, they're juxtaposed right now in the standings. Does that make you want to bet a Padres no uh, to make the playoffs, to miss the playoffs? In other words, does it make you want to bet the A's to miss the playoffs? Does it make you want to bet the Reds to make or some other team in the AL to make?
3: I already, I already bet the Padres no playoffs. Um, I think I got three ninety on that, plus three ninety. Besides that, I'm not, I'm not super excited about investing more money in the Reds. Although I know they've been, they've been really, really good this last month. I don't want to put more money on them. I don't really like watching their games or following them. <laughs> That's uh, great. The A's, <laughs> yeah. the A's are weird because they're only, they're only two games back but I could see them totally missing the playoffs. Yeah. I
4: could,
3: I could see them catching the Astros though. I mean, even with the hard schedule versus soft schedule, I don't think there's a huge guarantee that the Astros are just going to win the division because they're the Astros. Like I get it, but you still got to play the game. There's only two game, two games back. But, but I would say, I don't think the Astros and the A's are both going to make the
2: playoffs. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. And again, uh, between, uh, between each other, what do they have? Uh, six games versus each other still to go uh, head-to-head. Interesting. Um, okay, so then the, uh, the awards markets that, uh, that are out there. I mean, I know we talk about this seemingly every week. Obviously, we were on vacation, so we haven't uh, more than just last week here in the last month. But NL Cy Young, even from last week, where has your thinking changed at all?
3: I think it's it's slowly becoming a, right now a, a two horse race with Wheeler and Bueller for the side. Unfortunately with DeGrom sort of taking the back seat due to injury and he, he still could win. He just needs to come back, you know, basically as fast as he can and be lights out every every single start for the Mets. And then he'll he'll be back in the conversation. But at the moment, it's Wheeler and it's Bueller, and you could make an argument for either one of those guys. I'd personally make them short co favorites, you know, like plus 110 or plus 120 each if I was booking it. Um, but I see, I see the odds are a little higher than that for both. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of flip around a bunch of times, but it's it's the two of those guys clearly clearly ahead of the rest of the field.
2: Yeah, it feels very Heismanish from last year where they will flip around all the time. Wheeler is 2 to 1 at BetMGM, uh Walker Buehler plus 260, closely followed by a couple Brewers, Brandon Woodruff at plus 450, Corbin Burns at plus 475, and then you get to the Giants, Kevin Gaussman at 6 to 1. That at BetMGM, DeGrom is now 15 to 1 as uh, again no word on when he will come back AL Young, um I'm just scanning these Lance Lynn at minus 175 at BetMGM uh then you have both Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon at plus 350 any thoughts there
3: Yeah that that one I'm just a little bitter about cause I had Lance Lynn 100 to 1 last season and so he'll he'll probably win it this year cuz I don't have any money on it uh <laughs> Cole, Cole's numbers are really good. They're not amazing Cy Young favorite good, but they're very good for the amount of innings he's pitched. Um, I, I don't I, I could see him not winning still just just because he's missed some time and had a couple bad starts. Um, at this point I'd probably say it's Lynn versus Rodon because you know, they're both just putting up spectacular numbers. There's There's a couple other long shots but I don't think anyone's going to really push themselves in the AL side picture.
2: Shohei is minus 800 now for American League MVP. I asked you before the All-Star break, I said, I don't want to get morbid about this, but we're starting to get into that LaMelo ball territory of, well, he played 41 games. Is it enough for him to win rookie of the year or not? Now he ended up coming back, so it was a different story. But I sort of asked that about Shohei. I'm like, how much longer does he even have to play before he could just disappear and still win this? Are we in that territory now? Like, if Shohei Otani went away and never played the rest of the season, is he the MVP?
3: Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, he's, he's, he's he puts up stats that nobody else comes close to to matching. It's it's been a great season, and I still think we're not properly respecting his numbers in the context of how great they are historically. Um, you know, when when you're getting compared to Babe Ruth. You're you're doing something right, and yeah, you know, I just give them give them the hardware and start start on next year's numbers.
2: Ruthian, whenever it's Ruthian, that's something to behold. By the way, uh, Ramon Laureano listed for American League MVP at uh, BetMGM at two hundred to one. Please don't bet that, ladies and gentlemen. Eighty game suspension. Please do not bet that. Uh, NL MVP. Now this is where it gets interesting. Fernando Tatis Jr. is still the favorite at BetMGM minus one ten. Bryce. Harper out of nowhere, four to one, something or not something?
3: Oh, definitely something. Um, it's funny because I did, I did all the numbers for v Point Spread Weekly last week, and I, I definitely put Harper down on the list. And I basically, my comment was like, yeah, the numbers are nice, but like he's not going to win MVP. And, and I think I kind of didn't really go into any more detail. So I was a little surprised to see the aggressive movements all the way from 50 to 30 to tens to four, you know, that's, that's a huge move, but the Phillies are in first place. He's hitting home runs. He's Bryce Harper. I mean, there was a time I remember when I, I was playing fantasy football or fantasy baseball, I was still in college, but it was Bryce Harper, Mike Trout and Manny Machado, who was the best young player in baseball you know so he's he's sometimes kind of we forget that he's he's one of those top 5 top 10 kind of players so he he definitely could win mvp i think there's a lot of time left and i think one of the issues with the deflating of his number is that draftkings and uh fanduel and a lot of the books have far more east coast locations than they do in colorado Great and point. you know wherever wherever else so you know, you're going to be in Philadelphia. You're going to be in New Jersey. You're obviously going to get more bets on Phillies players than you are on Dodgers players just by location. So I, I could see them dejuicing the odds just because they've, they've probably gotten more volume on Harper than certain other guys. But I, I think he's live. He's, he's definitely making a case. And, you know, we'll see the next, next month or so. We'll, we'll determine how serious it, it's going to be.
2: Yeah. It's interesting, but you're right. You know, 50 games, roughly, we were just talking about strength of schedule, like 48 games, 50 games, 51 games, somewhere in that pocket, more than a quarter of the season remains. There's just so much more baseball to be played. And we'll be talking about this uh, in some of these uh, markets right till the very end. Uh, I left this for last and people are like, hey, you're going to get to today's baseball slate. There's only five games today. Uh, Did you make any bets at all?
3: Only bet I I made. I bet the Yankees over ten runs versus the Mariners. I think
2: Uh, they're they're at the Royals. Yeah.
3: Oh no, it's Royals today. Sorry, I thought the Mariners was this weekend. Yeah. I'm not. I don't love this board. I mean, you look at you said five games. They're all huge favorites. All pretty big totals. Except there's a seven and a half in one game. Um, Not very exciting when you get a a board like this. Truthfully, I'm. I kind of. These are these are kind of back to a couple of years ago when the ball was flying and totals were just high and favorites were huge. It's it's not as fun when you get numbers like this.
2: Yeah, over ten though, the Yankees at Kansas City. Over ten is the play for Jason. Warner. Yeah, and he's right. Uh, the five games, nine and a half, nine, nine and a half, ten. Then there is the one seven and a half in the Marlins Padres game in San Diego. But the uh, the the lines. Minus one eighty, minus one eighty, minus one ninety, minus one seventy five, minus two fifty, uh, respectively on the Reds, Brewers, uh, White Sox, Yankees, and Padres today in their respective games. So the chasm between the haves and the have-nots, as reflected by the betting market. Over ten, though, is the play Yankees and Royals at Kansas City tonight, eight ten Eastern, five ten Pacific. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it as always, man
3: me. will talk
2: later. Jason Weingarten at Spreadopedia from under a cloud of smoke in Southern California. We'll come back. The most incredible stat in baseball this year, the Dodgers extra inning record, 1-12, and 12, including 11 losses in a row. We'll take a look next on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Welcome back to
0: A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander.
2: Back on A Numbers Game, just like the man said, brought to you by BetMGM. Always appreciate the BetMGM support. All right, uh, it's Gil Alexander. Here's the, here's the deal. This is the most incredible stat in baseball this year. The Dodgers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, who I and so many others have to win the World Series uh, from way back when, before the season, uh, who remain... Four games behind the San Francisco Giants, incredibly, in the National League West, they do have a number one wild card position right now, but four behind the Giants, with about fifty games left in the season, which is just incredible. And the Giants continue to win games in just unbelievable, miraculous fashion. So, I did a deep dive on these thirteen games. The very first game that went into uh, extra innings for the Dodgers this year, and again, every one of these has its details. But they were at they were at Oakland. They didn't bunt to lead off the tenth. Believe me, I tracked all the times they didn't bunt. Uh, and it was Gavin Lux at bat, so it wasn't like it was one of their bangers. Uh, but they didn't bunt, and then Jimmy Nelson concedes a run after Kenley Jensen gave up a tying run in the ninth. You, you will see there's a theme to this. Now, the next time they had, so, the, so they're 0-1 in extra innings. The next time they went to extra innings is the last time they won. This is way back on April 16th. At San Diego, uh, they didn't bunt in any of the three extra innings or concede a run in any of the three. That was after Kenley Jansen had given up the tying run in the ninth there as well. So, but the Dodgers did score five times in the 12th. So that was the last time they went. So they were one and one in extra innings. They have lost 11 extra inning contests since then. Now, we have them all listed. And if you could just rifle through them real quick, Jason, at rapid pace. So there's, you know, again, April 25th, didn't button the 10th after San Diego didn't score, or in the 11th after they did. Garrett Clevenger was the one who gave up the the run. By the way, not in the 10th, but in the 11th. So keep that in mind. On April 25th, in the second of the two extra innings, Garrett Clevenger gave up a run. The reason I point that out is because it's like the sort of Cal Ripken streak where, you know, he showed up and then quietly Cal Ripken was in the lineup. So that second inning of extras, that 11th inning back on April 25th is the first of 14 extra innings extra frames in a row that the Dodgers have given up at least a run. Forget the fact that they've lost all of them 11 straight. 1 in 12 on the season in extra innings. But 14 consecutive frames now they've given up at least a run may 1st they didn't bunt twice the lead off the 10th or 11th alex visia conceded a run then Vasia and mitch white gave up a run may 4th um again they didn't bunt twice gavin lux was at bat again uh white concedes two runs clevenger concedes a run uh next one i mean on and on and on no bunt in the 10th and 11th on, on May 5th. Jansen concedes a run in the 10th, and Clevenger concedes two runs in the 11th. May 28th, Jansen, Kenley Jansen concedes three runs in the 10th against the Giants, takes the L. July 6th, they finally bunted on July 6th. Stop the presses. This is the only time in all extra innings this year for the Dodgers. They're 1-12, in keep in mind, in extra innings, 11 straight extra inning losses, and 14 consecutive innings in which they have given up a run in extras. They've bunted once. I know I'm a 1,000 years old, but once? By the way, they bunted into a fielder's choice. It was Chris Taylor, and that was the end of that. Davey Roberts was like, we're never bunting again. Uh, Blake trying and wild pitch, uh, and then the throwing error. They concede a run. At Colorado, July 18th, and no bunt in the 10th. Phil Bickford this time concedes a run in the 10th after Jansen gives up a tying run in the 9th. Uh, next, this is on... Uh, we've got to rifle through these guys because there's only a few left. This is on Switch. This is on July 23rd. Jimmy Scherfee gets in on the action. He concedes three runs in the 10th. He takes the L. Again, every one of these extra innings, they give up a run. July 30th at Arizona, no button in the 10th. Jimmy Nelson concedes a, runs in the t- in, uh, concedes a run in the 10th after Jansen and Shrinen pitch scoreless 8th to 9th. But again, an extra inning, we give up a run. Uh, August 6th, this is the most recent, I believe. Cle- oh, one more after this, pardon me. Clevenger and Star Gratterall concede one run each in the 10th after Jansen pitches a scoreless ninth. And then finally, the 11th in a row to bring their extra inning record to 1-12. Uh, oh, that was it. I, that's what I thought. Jason threw me off. Okay, so they're 1-12. 11 straight losses in extra innings. 1-12 in on the season. Again, 14 straight frames in which they've given up at least one run. And it just says, it's just criminal. Like, the takeaway from this from a betting standpoint is, you know, how much of this is narrative, and how much of this is predictive? This is who they are. This is predictive. Like I wouldn't I would be in gaming against the Dodgers in these games, left and right. Uh this is this is them. The fact that they didn't get bullpen help at the trade deadline is malpractice. I get it. They got Scherzer and Trey Turner. Bravo. But the fact that they didn't get bullpen help is unbelievable malpractice. And let me just say this also. For the Dodgers, as great as they are, World Series favorites, what does it also say about baseball? That the rule is idiotic, maybe? That Davey Roberts and the Dodgers have failed to figure out a strategy that works? I mean, that much, for sure. But for me, the biggest thing is not getting bullpen help at the trade deadline. The most amazing stat in baseball all season. Period. It's incredible for the Los Angeles Dodgers, who, by the way, are still favorites to win it all just want to point that out. How good they could have been if they got the back end together. Pete Futek, ACC football. We switch to college football next on a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander.
2: The VEASAN College Football Betting Guide is here. Start your football season on the right foot, the good foot, with our expert analysis and picks for conference champions, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff teams, plus power ratings for every team. Now is also a great time to get your all-access VEASAN subscription, including our college and pro football betting guides, along with everything we offer for the entire football season. Get your college betting guide for only $19.99 or start your free all-access trial today at subscribe. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe uh we get tweets I would read them but uh, someone's but they're busting on some sports folks we've done enough of that today but some of these uh some of these are fascinating let's talk some college football let's bring him in from college football news he's been a stalwart on the show going through uh, power five previews power five conference previews that is it's Peter Futek, ladies and gentlemen how you doing Pete Grinding on through. Hey, we're, we're getting there. We're a month away from uh, really caring about NFL
4: football or a couple weeks away from getting this going. I, I'm, I'm ready. I, I'm ready to have football
2: again. Yeah, me too, man. And you know what threw me off about the NFL thing? Because the NFL still thinks, NFL feels far away. I didn't realize there was a week off between the preseason and the NFL. So it's only three preseason games, but then they kind of drift. Before this, before the regular season starts, so it still feels pro football does a while away, uh, feels a, uh, a little bit away. Not college football, man. We are, let me get the exact. We're twenty, what is it? No, we're we're uh we're twenty five days, nineteen days away from this happening. Nineteen. Wow. Uh, let's. Half major. Uh, yeah. So thank you. I carried the one. It worked out. All right. So uh, ACC Atlantic. Let's start there. Obviously, Clemson rules the roost. I asked you this the other night on primetime action but Clemson starts with Georgia in Charlotte it's the biggest at least on paper uh, interconference game of the entire college football season but it's it's funny from an ACC standpoint right because even if Clemson loses it could still get to the ACC championship and then to the national semis it means way more to Georgia doesn't it
4: Absolutely I mean look it's there's an, any given Saturday to this thing Clemson always has that one game a year. Last year was against Boston College. A couple years ago against Syracuse, where they come really, really close to blowing it. Uh, And they do have that run of three road games in four days at NC State, which we've talked about before, is an actually dangerous team this year. Uh, Boston College at home, they're dangerous. They get a week off, and then at Syracuse, fine, and then at Pitt, dangerous. So even for Clemson, there is a little bit of a stumbling block. But realistically, they're going to be double-digit favorites the rest of the way, no matter what. If they beat Georgia, they they gives them a buffer. They can lose a game and be fine. If they lose to Georgia, they're good enough to roll through the schedule and still get the college football playoffs.
2: I mentioned before I asked every college football guest I have, Hey, if you, you know, you had the hundred dollars and you had to bet on a team to win it all, but it can't be Oklahoma, Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, or Clemson. And you said Texas A&M, uh, Brett McMurphy said, I'll take you out to dinner instead. Uh, but then he begrudgingly, he said, uh, Penn state, Kenny White said NC State. So let's file those. Let's let's sort of put those aside. Is NC State, as we look at this board of season wins in the uh, ACC Atlantic, is the over on NC State six and a half wins the best bet on this board?
6: Uh
4: it's way up there I kind of think Syracuse probably only because if you believe they can beat Ohio which is not a certain on the road uh if you think they can probably catch Rutgers that's at home and they get Albany and maybe this time around, they get Liberty. So at least out of those four games, if you're Syracuse, you got to win three of those. Uh, so right there, I mean, that's not a given, obviously. But if the Dino Babers era is going to continue, you got to go at least three and one against that group. Maybe you'll lose to Liberty, maybe you lose to Rutgers. But they're going to definitely get two, which means at the very least, you should push it. They're going to get a win against somebody somewhere. So I think that three for Syracuse is close. But yeah, NC State, they're, that's a, it's a very, very good team. South Florida, Furman, Louisiana Tech, Louisville, Syracuse. There's five wins for a team that should be good enough to at least get to eight or maybe even the nine wins that we're used to under the Dave Doran era at least a few years ago.
2: Okay, but you're going Syracuse over as the best. Syracuse over
4: Probably, probably at that, yeah. remember I think It's not
2: asking that much. By the way, it occurs to me you said, like, if the Dino Babers error is to continue. Remember when he was a thing? Like, I mean, it's just how quickly things change.
4: It, it, bad things happen when you let your quarterback get sacked 419 times in a season. At some point, they're going to have to figure out that offensive front. And to go back to your other question, uh, what, don't I necessarily like? I never like 11 and a half. Like, yeah. So if you're asking, that's just asking because there's no point because it's asking too much of anybody. It doesn't matter if it's Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson to go undefeated. I, and, yeah. It's just too much to ask for on any team, especially it takes to get you know gross, but in a COVID era, and again we point all those landmine games out there. They're gonna, they're not gonna lose twice, but they could certainly lose once. So I'd go under on that eleven and a half more than I'd go over.
2: Yeah, under under eleven and a half is never a bad recommendation. Never in any conference, in any era, in any year. Okay, uh, last thing about the uh, ACC Atlantic. There's Florida State and they're down there at five and a half, and we talked about name, image, and likeness, and we talked about how, hey, you know, uh, maybe not this year, but as the years go on, the USCs and the Miamis of the world, they could be reborn into powerhouses as everything sort of uh, plays into those brands. What happened to Florida State, Pete? Like, wh- what happened to that brand?
4: Offensive line, look, it, it's, I put Florida State and UCLA kind of in the same bucket because the same thing happened at the exact same time. Jimbo Fisher, for whatever reason, never quite got the offensive line right after the national championship season. And as we're seeing, that's not an easy fix for anybody. It takes a couple years to get the right five guys together to get to that level. And then it's just a steamroller thing. Because if you go to Florida State over the last few years, especially at the end of the Jimbo Fisher era, you're assuming national championship. If you remember, there was that opening game against Alabama where An argument could have been made at the time that Florida State had as much NFL talent on the field as Alabama did. DeAndre Francois gets hurt, they get destroyed, and then that's it for their season and really the era. And it just fell off the map from there. And so they're not quite getting that same caliber of player, but it's just been offensive line and blocking. They haven't blocked anybody for a long time, and that's going to have to change. And look at this season, you think, oh, that seems like a, a low win total for Florida State, five and a half. That just seems wrong. But look, obviously, Jacksonville State, Syracuse, UMass. All right, there's three wins right there. Find me the other win out of that group you can say, yeah, absolutely. They're going to beat Wake. Forest on the road. They're going to beat Boston College on the road. There aren't a lot of sure things there for the Seminoles.
2: And real quick here, because we only have 30 seconds, but we asked you the other night, if a meteor came from space and and hit Clemson and North Carolina and one other team then would win the ACC, uh, your answer was, do you remember?
4: I, I'm blanking now, you know, Boston, was young and you said, to work.
2: you said Boston, Boston college, college. Yeah.
4: Okay. Because if you look at their schedule, I guess real if, they, if Clemson's out of this mix, if you look at the rest of their slate, they don't get Miami. they don't get North Carolina. They don't get Virginia. They're, everything else sort of plays out for Boston college. And I like this team as an up and comer.
2: Okay, all right. That's good enough for the... It uh,
4: kind of happened, but you asked the Meteor question.
2: It's so a Meteor cool. question. You can go anywhere with the Meteor question. Uh, we'll go from the Atlantic to the Coastal next in the ACC. Also want to look at... Uh, The biggest ACC games of the year, per our 2021 college football betting guide. Get Pete's reaction to those spreads. And uh, did you see Sunday Night Baseball last night? Al Michaels uh, dropped in because they've had it on ABC. So it's a tribute to Al Michaels and his days uh, from yesteryear when he did Sunday Night Baseball on ABC. uh, Told a great Howard Cosell, Bob Costas story. We've got that next on a numbers game at VC and the Sports Betting Network.
4: Welcome
0: back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander.
2: Numbers Game brought to you by BetMGM, and it is Summer Monday. It is a Summer Monday, I should say, and that means Monday's at BetMGM, the king of sportsbook, with BetMGM's Money Monday Club. $10 $10 free bet will automatically be added to your account when you place a total of $50 in wagers between Monday and Sunday. You'll wake up to a $10 free bet every Monday just for betting $50 during the previous seven days. Simply take advantage of BetMGM's boosted odd specials, unique parlay offers, daily promotions, and live betting action. When your wager total reaches $50, you're guaranteed to receive a $10 free bet to use any way you'd like. Just download the BetMGM app or visit BetMGM.com to be a part of the Money Monday Club. Get rewarded for your bets every week at BetMGM. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BenMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer. Not available in Nevada. Once again, uh, Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, kind enough to have me on the Nuts later today. Uh, nuts at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. We're going to talk NFL survivor pools. Always like that. I'm told we're, all gonna, we're also going to talk baseball but I could talk survivor for a half hour. So we're, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, okay. This was last night on Sunday night baseball. The white Sox played the Cubs white Sox rolled them nine to three, but uh, they had it on ABC last night, Sunday night baseball and Matt Vaskersian and Alex Rodriguez, of course, the great Matt Vaskersian and Alex Rodriguez did the game. Um, and as part of a tribute to the old ABC Sunday night baseball, they brought out Michaels uh, on to uh, talk with them and, uh, I, I don't know if they knew he was going to tell stories or not, but Al Michaels used to uh, do the play-by-play for ABC's Sunday Night Baseball from 1976 all the way to 1989. Some of you of a certain age may remember that. But he told, and this was maybe the highlight of the of the game yesterday, he told this great story about Howard Cosell and Bob Costas meeting for the first time. Take a listen.
4: And It's the first time I met Bob Costas, and Bob was young, and he was at NBC at the time, and uh... Bob walks up to Howard and says, "Uh, Mr. Cosell, hi, I'm Bob Costas with NBC. And Cosell says, I know who you are. You're the child who rhapsodizes about the infield fly rule. I'm sure you'll have a great career.
2: (laughs) That's a great story. That's so awesome. Howard Cosell, he was a lot of things. A lovely man? I don't know. Maybe. Not at that moment, though. That's so funny. The child who rhapsodizes about the infield fly rule. I'm sure you'll have a great career. Howard Cosell meeting Bob Costas uh, for the first time. That uh, courtesy of, uh, of the broadcast last night on ABC. Uh, let's bring Pete Futak back in from College Football News. Uh, senior- Wait, was he wrong? No. Was he wrong? Well, he did have a great career. I think he was being sarcastic about it. Yeah, but he's not,
4: though. Bob Costas can rhapsodize about a bunch for 10 years. But the, it, the great thing about that is El Michaels famously hated Howard Cosell, and it will take any shot possible he can ever get <laughs> when he gets a chance to do his, his Howard Cosell impersonation and rip on
2: him a little bit. <laughs> you're the child who rhapsodizes about the infield fly rule man th- I'm
4: the child who raps about rhapsodize about ACC football coming up in Boston College of a meteor strike yeah. so hey we're all we're all over we're our moments by
2: the way have you ever tried explaining baseball speaking of the infield fly rule have you ever tried explaining baseball to someone who doesn't know the rules it is impossible and as you're explaining it you're like this is the dumbest game I've. it's like how'd they come up with this stuff
4: yeah, if you explain try to explain most of sports like if you explain to a non-sports fan who a normal rational human being, why horns up, horns down is a thing. You sound like the stupidest person in the world. So trying <laughs> to explain any of this stuff yeah. to a non-sports fan is insane.
2: Yeah. The rules of baseball though have so many exceptions. Well, that's an out, but you see, then he gets the tag and he gets to advance if they can't throw the ball. Like you have to watch thousands of baseball. games. To this day, I still well, do well, for, Fortunately,
4: you have a lot of time during a baseball game to try figuring that
2: out. I still don't know what a check swing is after all these years. All right. ACC big games on the board. This per hour, 2021 college football betting guide, which is spectacular available at visa.com slash subscribe for only 1999. Matt humans and crew did a phenomenal job with this. Who, uh, who wrote the ACC piece, Jason Kahn. Do you remember which one of our wonderful writers did this, but whoever took the ACC under their wing, uh, They went ahead and and decided these were the six biggest games on the board. I think they're right. Three of them are on a, you know, not the opening weekend of August 28th, the old week zero, which I hate, by the way, calling it that. But the September 3rd, September 4th uh, stretch, North Carolina at Va Tech, Carolina, the Heels, five-and-a-half-point favorites. If they're as good as we think they are, uh, they got to win this game and maybe cover it in the process. Then September 4th, Clemson versus Georgia. We talked about that at Charlotte. Clemson, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Then Miami and Bama. This was like 14 points in favor of Bama, 14 and a half, and now it's 18 in favor of Alabama at Atlanta. October 16th, the Hurricanes and the Heels at North Carolina. Heels favored by three. October 23rd, this one is not posted or not lined yet. Clemson at Pittsburgh, or at least it's off the board. And then October 30th, Carolina in their biggest non-conference game at Notre Dame where the Irish are two and a half point favorites. Uh, This was Wes Reynolds, by the way, who put this together. The great Wes Reynolds, who was uh, kind enough to join us earlier on the show. Any of these lines stick out to you that that you would bet?
4: Yeah, they're all great. Uh, first of all, I love Week Zero. I love the soft opening idea of this. Let's you know just get the season started just you know nice and easy. But yeah, all these—it's hard to argue with any of these games. I mean, maybe going back to the NC State thing, Clemson going to NC State—that's the only other realistic. Big game for the Tigers, but yeah, all these games are fantastic and they're all going to be big and it's all about Ken Clemson misfire along the way. But look, until Alabama really struggles in an opener and until we see Derek King's knee actually be 100 percent, that 18 seems a little light. I know you don't like giving away that much to a good team uh, like Miami. But Alabama traditionally just comes out and just steamrollers their opening games against good teams. So that 18 might not be that much, considering the defense for Bama is going to be awesome this year. Uh, North Carolina, the three at home against Miami. Again, not to dog the hurricanes, but if you believe in North Carolina at all, that's not a lot to give away if we're projecting ahead to mid-October. And early on, I do not believe in Virginia Tech at all. I know five and a half is a lot to give away on the road, but I kind of like the Tar Heels over the the Hokies by five and a half.
2: By the way, I I love the soft opening. I just don't like the term week zero, is what I meant by that. Uh, Okay, so in the coastal, North Carolina does, by all, by the market, rule the roost here. Uh, Sam Howell, a, a pretty viable. Heisman candidate at 14 to one. I like it. His stats are just sick over the last two years. Uh, so he's definitely in the conversation, but I want to go to Miami since we've, we've talked about North Carolina uh, at different points here in the off season, but not as much about the Canes and you brought it up, Derek King and that injury, um, that knee injury. What do you do with a team like the Canes you already said you, you like Alabama laying the points the first week. But they got App State at home and then Michigan State right after that. Like, this could go south very quickly for them, couldn't it?
4: And Virginia a couple weeks later and going to North Carolina and then NC State and then at Pitt. All of those games, they're going to beat Central Connecticut, obviously. But all those games are not the Alabama games. I think Alabama's going to roll. But those are 50-50 games, including Appalachian State. That's not a gimme especially coming off the alabama game to see how beaten up the uh the hurricanes are uh there's talent there they, they have a better offense the defense is gonna be fine the pass rush is gonna be great they got what they didn't do last year for considering all the turnover chain stuff was force a lot of takeaways so that defense is gonna have to force more mistakes Derek king's gonna have to be Derek king he's gonna have to be fantastic again but that is not an easy schedule at least to start the season now flip that to north carolina where you know look the tar heels they don't get Clemson. Uh, they don't get uh, Boston College. This is a easier slate to handle if you're the Tar Heels. If you look at their schedule, if they can get by Virginia Tech to start the season, they get Virginia at home, they get Virginia, Florida State at home, they get Miami at home, they got to go to Notre Dame, but it's not a bad schedule until the second half, so they can at least get off to a pretty good start.
2: Yeah, let's let's fire up, Jason, if you could, again, that uh, ACC Coastal uh, betting board there, and I'm curious what Pete thinks the best bet is On that, or maybe the best bets, plural, because as I'm looking at it, uh, first of all, North Carolina to win the Coastal plus 130, to win the ACC plus 850. That doesn't seem like a terrible bet to me, quite frankly. Uh, And then there's obviously the season wins that are on the left side. What's the best season win? Let's start with the Carolina question Do you like the plus 130 and the plus 850? division in.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, what we just said is that, you know, it looks like they're going to have an easier time getting there, and who else is going to win the division? Duke? No. Georgia Tech? No. I mean, yeah, Pitt, Virginia, and Virginia Tech are all pretty good, but North Carolina uh, is better than them. They get Virginia at home, Uh, so that is not a bad bet, and if you're in it, maybe on the right day, the meteor hitting in North Carolina could at least hang with Clemson, and it's not a a miserably bad bet, even though Clemson's the overwhelming favorite, and terms of the the win total as we just said nine and a half for Miami seems like a heck of a lot especially you start with one loss against Alabama and you only need a couple more after that so there's just a lot on the board including you know they got to go to Pitt they got to go to Florida State they got to go to Duke those are winnable games but at least they're on the road uh so I would go under on that nine and a half with Miami
2: what about below that what about Pitt at seven uh, the who's at six and a half from Virginia, Georgia tech at five Duke, as you, as you mentioned at four, is there an under or an over there that you like?
4: Yeah. Kind of like Pitt. I mean, UMass, Western Michigan, New Hampshire, and Georgia tech are in the first five games. If you're any good, if you're pit, you got to have four of those. You get at Duke, that's got to be a win. And at Syracuse, even though it's on the road, that's got to be a win. You're already kind of around six-ish with Pitt. And they're going to be good enough to pull off an upset somewhere along the way, maybe out of Virginia Tech, maybe against Miami, maybe against North Carolina. They do get the Hurricanes, and they do get uh, the Tar Heels at home. So, you know, 10-1 to 1 for the division, that's not insane for the Panthers either, if you like them.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Didn't think you'd go that way, but you did. All right. Uh, maybe some Big 12 tomorrow, Pete? Maybe? I think. We...
4: Ah, what else I got to do? Absolutely.
2: It's it's get, it's get getting here quick. Might as well. Uh, I look forward to that. I didn't mean to put you on the spot on air, but uh, that's the remaining Power 5 conference to go. We'll talk some Big 12 with Pete Futak tomorrow on the show. Always appreciate it, Pete. Uh, I am very excited, man. Let's go. Football right around the corner. Can't wait. Better ba-
4: Better background tomorrow, by the way.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was was a very pleasant background. There's nothing wrong with plugging your website. Collegefootballnews.com is where Pete does his stuff. Um, Maybe we'll do the uh, picks contest this year as well at College Football News. That's always fun to do. Uh, Appreciate Pete. Appreciate Wes. Appreciate Chrissy Andrews, Jason Weingarten, uh, Dodgers extra inning breakdowns, strength of schedule, tennis picks. Let's go tennis picks. Thank you for listening. The Lombardi line is next right here at Visa, the sports betting network.
0: Zumo Zumo Play.